tonight on Eureka Cast. Now, the image of knowledge has long been associated with the tome, big, weather-bound, and musty. Some would say the book is anachronistic, but not us here at Simon Amin's Eureka Cast. Now, for tonight's show, we celebrate the literature and invite to the program our first guest of this season, Signe uh, Windmill, author of Unmasking the Demurge. What every woman. <laughs> what every woman needs to know. The following program is an artistic work of fiction and falsehood. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the broadcasters or the management thereof. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Simon Amy's Eureka Cast. Now, my name is Professor Rowan Meadowlark, PhD, and I'm an adjunct professor in light working here at the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. And welcome to the program where science meets technology meets you. Joining me as always is media disruption developer Kai Hubris. Welcome to the program. Welcome back on. Welcome, Kai. Oh, oh, hey, uh, hey, hey, hey there, Rowan. I'm sorry. I was just, I was just finishing uh, a final chapter of a, of a novel that I'm currently reading. Actually, well, not a novel, a, a book, a nonfiction book that I'm currently reading. Uh, all right, there. Finally, to the final, the final, uh, the, the final period. Excellent. What a good, what a good book that was. Are you curious about what I'm reading, Rowan? I would love to hear what you're reading. Let me tell you, uh, Roan, it's a book that's called Chicago Dog, How Briefly in the 1960s, Thanks to a Bout of Temporary Insanity, Experienced by Richard J. Daly, the alderman of the 16th Ward, was a Boston Terrier. And this happened for about, you know, two weeks uh, uh, back in the 1960s. It was a wild time, uh, as this book sort of t- showed me. Well, that's fascinating, Kai. You know, as, as uh, we like to discuss um, history on this program, do you have any highlights from this? Uh, the theme is books we're talking sure. about books what was your favorite moment from this um you from know, the book from the book or from just Chicago dog or, or just from the period of history where the um the alderman of the uh, 16th ward was well, a uh, boston terrier yeah yeah oh uh, well it, one of my favorite parts was when somebody uh when somebody was uh they their property lines were misdrawn so they went into the the alderman's office and uh they were they were peed on that's fascinating. That's fascinating, Kai. But yeah, like, you know, the reason that I that I wanted to talk about this especially, and the reason that I've been thinking a lot more about books is because, um, and this is something that I, again, had absolutely no say in. In fact, it's just being, you know, spoon-fed, straw-fed to me by Simon Amy's beak. But Simon Amy's beak is feeding me these uh, these topics that are supposed to be covered on our science and technology news show. Um, and I come to find that this week our news show um, is about the topic books well as as it has so um has as the worm has turned with regards to Simon Amy's Eureka Cast now, um, and as we have discussed earlier, you know, these subjects, they come to us from uh, Simon Amy himself, the thought leader, yeah. the, the shaman, the, um, you know, the alchemist, the, the, the scholar. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he is... The good reader himself? He is very, very interested in books, as you might, as you might imagine, you know, as someone who has... T- 
tomes and tomes upon himself, uh, you know, filled up throughout wherever he goes. He but, started the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science based on his own collection, as I understand. Um, certainly, certainly. I mean, you know, it, it kind of began in a way less of a... That's fair to say. It was less of an institute at first, and it became more, more of an uh, academy. Um, it it academy. was more of sort of a, a, an archive. And as uh-huh. more and more individuals sought out the archive, um, ultimately, it seemed prudent to um, turn it into a full-time institution, a full-time educational place, where rather than individuals taking the books out for free, pay, you know, turning through them, getting their greasy little fingers all over ancient mm-hmm. Arabic texts. Breathing all over the vellum. They can rather, you know, enroll provide themselves as an asset to the institution monetarily or otherwise and then have access to the archives and that's sort Uh of how it began and um to that end that's why i'm so excited about tonight not just because this comes from simon amy himself as all of our subjects have sure uh recently and will continue to be but um also because books as a medium are important. And as the Simon Amy Institute began as an archive, uh-huh. it now continues not, it was well in an archival function. But Simon Amy does have a printing press. He has his own personal printing press. Um, the machines and everything. That's correct. And usually these tend to be reprints, reprints of, you know, medieval Renaissance, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, golden age, sure. Arabic texts, demonological texts, archaeological texts. But every once in a while, a new face appears and really grabs Simon Amy's attention. The face. And, and we decide to put out that work. And that's why later in the program, we will be having a an author of a new book that's coming out on the Simon Amy Press, uh-huh. uh, uh, Signe Windmill, will be joining us later in the program to talk about their work, Unmasking the Demiurge, What Every Woman Needs to Know, an exciting new book coming out on the Simon Amy Press. The Simon Amy, because Simon Amy has his own, his own uh, publishing company. He is mass producing these these works. He considers the word printing press. He consider he he prefers press. He's he's just yeah he's just publishing supplying. publishing house. You know the, um, a publishing house doesn't express that we have the machine the printing press um, <laughs> in house where, where, where press does imply that we have the press and we do have well, the press. I've seen it. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I reached out to you, Rowan, to try to get a copy of this book, um, but I, I I'm, I'm under the you couldn't find like the a PDF version of this or something. Thing. Well, no, that's the exciting thing about the Simon Amy Printing Press um, press house, which is to say um, that it's all paper. We do not uh, believe in digital distribution models for our literature. What, if I if I like scan scan it, it won't appear or something. Well, I can't stop you from scanning it. Well, it will appear though, right? It, it will appear until lawyers reach out. <laughs> lawyers, yes. Simon Amy has lawyers on this. Many lawyers for many reasons. That's fascinating, Ron. Well, in any case, um, we are excited to bring them on. They are currently a little busy celebrating the Queen's death, um, I believe, with some baked beans. Uh, in, in, in any case— The Queen's death and, the, uh, and the, the Mexican Independence Day. Two reasons to have beans, if there was any. <laughs> but, Kai, uh, I know that uh, before we get to Signe Windmill and uh-huh. their exciting 
their exciting new book, talking about their exciting new book. I know you had some book-related uh, material that you wanted to share with us, some 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 sort of insights from you, on your side of the tracks in the tech worker world. Uh-huh. And my side of the tracks, which is uh, slowly in- encroaching on all sides of the tracks. The train is coming, <laughs> and there's no way to stop it. Um, but yeah, so before you get hired... <laughs> Before you get hired at Tech Brothers Laboratories, you know I sit down with all new all new recruits. Um, I personally, whether they're in the robotics lab or whether they're in uh, whether they're cleaning the toilets, I have to sit down with them and I, I need to tell them what's what's what. You're, you're in hiring. You're a part of uh, you're you're a hiring manager. In, in I'm your not role. a hiring manager. I am sort of a hiring uh, consultant. Um, so so uh, you know I I do talk to the you know after they get done with it with the with the inter- quote unquote interview, I do give every single one of them a call uh, and I'm like. I, 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 I explain to them, I'm just calling to make sure that a, a few important things were not overlooked in their application. I look through their application. I look at what books they've written. We have, we are what, what books they've read. We ask all applicants to tell us what books that they've read. Um, because here at Tech Brothers Laboratories, it is very important that we all, reading is huge. It's fundamental. The more you read, the smarter you are. So therefore, we want to make sure that all of our employees are very well read. So what I do is I call them up after their interview. I catch them off guard, usually. Uh, it's usually, It usually happens at midnight or something while they're asleep. I make sure they I keep calling them until they pick up. And I talk to them. I explain. I, I ask them, have you read this list of books? And if not, you Better read them before we even consider your application. These uh, we have a, a list, a list that I've kept up at the New Media Labs of thirteen books that we make all Tech Brothers employees just to even be considered for any position uh, read uh, before we are even can yeah, consider them to be hired at all. All right, well let's go over to this. I'm not usually a huge fan of. Uh, you know, um, hiring practices, corporate propaganda from Tech Brothers over the air, but um, this is what we've decided the uh, segment will be. Consider this, yeah. Consider this a, a tip for all of those hiring managers out there for what they should they should be doing. Um, so yeah, as I said, thirteen books we make all Tech Brothers Laboratories employees read before even considering hiring them. Um, and it's it, I would say it's a pretty standard list. Like a lot of the times, more than half of these books, if you're applying to Tech Brothers, you've you've read them. Um, so let's start off with the first one. This is a classic. With iRobot, with um, Isaac Asimov, you can actually see Isaac Asimov right there in the box art of that um, of that of that book. I'm I'm already experiencing confusion. I'm already very confused. Isaac Asimov, he's, he, Isaac Asimov is one of the is one of the elites, one of the greats. Why don't we go ahead and describe Isaac Asimov as presented um, <laughs> that you have described him as for this book cover of iRobot? Okay, um, for I, the for the the benefit hold of hold on, the, hold on, let me explain it. Of the listeners, Rowan, let me explain it, please. Isaac Asimov, he is a uh, he's a man with a lot of uh, a lot of curiosity in his eyes. He's a slender man, mysterious, black coat <laughs> and um he's 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 always wondering is the thing and this is the thing that i see in this photo of him right here um isaac asimov one man saw it coming is, is the 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 quote on that box art um and it's I, true isaac asimov he did see it coming because uh, you know he foresaw robots and we're finally making his dreams come true with our work god this is a picture of will smith from the movie i robot 
you know, I think that's a common misconception. Uh, I, I do think they, they have a lot of similarities. I don't think Isaac Asimov was a person of color, but let's just keep this moving. Let's keep, let's, let's keep this going. What do we have next? Next up, another, another classic, another absolute classic. We have The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Uh, an awesome book of, of awe and wonder and humor. Um, a lot of great lessons. Uh, there's some stuff about the dolphins in there that's always really, you know, there's just so much information here. Um, what do you what do you hope for when you have these recruits coming in? You have these individuals who are looking to be, to either begin their career or continue their career at Tech Brothers New Media Labs. What is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? What is having read that tell you as a um, an assistant to the hiring manager or a hiring consultant manager? Well, it, it whatever go, it goes to show me that they that they you know they know that it's it's you know we could all die tomorrow and. What you know? What are you going to leave behind? Beautiful corpse in a in a bathrobe carrying a towel. That's that's what we're really looking for here. Beautiful a corpses. A depressed. Ro- we also you know we also want to show them like the depressed robot and be like, hey guys, like I know you all want to do this, but you know, look at how it turned out for them. They didn't really. That guy wasn't that cool. If you read the book, no no paranoid androids, please. I have that on my wall. In fact, it's a big poster. It says no paranoid androids, please. Uh, up next. Up next, so th- this one is um, this one's actually these this are quite volume voluminous. Voluminous, yes. These are actually um, so it's called the art of computer programming. I think there's an F in there. I think there's a voluminous, <laughs> voluminous. Uh, voluptuous. voluptuous. These are voluptuous te- texts. They're called The Art of Computer Programming, Volumes 1 through 5, and they are written by Donald uh, Donald uh, Knuth, uh, who is the funny man of computer programming. He's a, he's a laugh riot. Laugh a minute. If you opened up your textbook, if you if you were in a class, in a computer programming class, and they, they assigned you uh, one of Don's works, then you'll be like, oh, this, this is going to be, I'm going to be, it's basically stand-up comedy class at that point. So you're just going to be laughing the whole time. Um... But yeah, this is a, this is an awesome and excellent series, and art, and this just gives you a good overview of sort of what computer programming is with these like five texts. Um, but it's important to note we only require that you've read three of them um, because uh, Donald's been working on this this series for nineteen six since the nineteen sixties, um, and he's currently on uh, uh, release four B. He he is he's not yet yet released four B. Um, but once they all five come out, we're going to force everybody to read all those just to give them a good idea of like the, the, a layman's understanding of computer programming. Right. And how long are each of these books, would you say? Um, I would have to say, you know, if I was to count the words, if I was to count the individual words, I'd have to say that I could fill a, fill a duffel bag with them. Fascinating, fascinating stuff, Kai. Uh, what do we have next? Ne- up next, and this is uh, this is uh, this one. You know, it's the next one is the, the Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Okay, so I'm going to actually have to. I'm I'm very curious what what this has to do with programming or 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 frankly you know, anything. The thing is, Rowan. You know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta see the perspective on things. You gotta be put into the perspective. You gotta ask yourself. You know, what are we doing here? Who is this for? And I personally think that you know, if you read the Joy Luck Club, you understand this. This it's this is this is what it's for. The people that they talk about in the Joy Luck Club, first generation, second generation immigrants. That's what all of our blood, sweat, and tears are for. Here at the Tech Brothers Laboratories. Is that is that uh, is that is that actually? Um, yeah. Powerful as myth is what the Washington <laughs> Post <laughs> said about this. 
All right, well, uh, let's go to the next one here. And the next one is a classic. The thing it's Freakonomics. You know it, you love it. Freakonomics by Stephen J. Dubner and Stephen Levitt. There's two Stevens, Stefan and Stephen. Uh, you know, the Stevens of the the awesome Stephen guys. Um, and the thing is, you know what, Rowan? I'm just gonna say it. Tech Brothers, mm-hmm. this is not your daddy's business. We don't read what, what the art of the deal or the deal of the whatever whatever it's going whatever we're talking about. This is not your daddy's business practice. In case you haven't noticed, we're freaks here. We're weirdos. We don't fit in, and we don't want to fit in. <laughs> is there a particular passage from uh, this book, Freakonomics? Is there some yes. lesson that, that you feel is particularly uh, uh, important Absolutely. to those who would uh, seek to, uh, who would be interviewing? 100%. In and so one, the one thing, the one quote that I recall um, from the book that I will always remember and, and I base all of my business practices on is, if you think another, if you think more cars will fix it, but no, actually, less cars is good. I, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. It was now, a very specific instance. Now, but, this yes. is a very interesting pick that you have pulled up next. Let me let me just run into this. Absolutely. Um, Halo, The Fall of Reach by Eric Nyland. An oh, absolute classic. I am not as much a gamer as you. We've discussed this uh-huh. at length before. Uh, I know Halo. I'm you familiar Halo. with Halo. You're familiar with Halo. I never really, I, I never really quite enjoyed the multiplayer. I felt as though the vibrational frequency is rather low uh-huh. in some of those, uh, you know, some of those matches, some of the voice chats to those matches. But I do think there's a lot going on with Halo in terms Absolutely. of its sci-fi premise, what it's got going on. Absolutely. But as a hiring manager at a tech company, yeah. Once again, I have to ask, what does Halo the Fall of Reach based off of the hit Xbox game? What is that? What is that doing? What does that tell you? Yeah, so the thing is, uh, as, as the tagline of Halo, so as uh, at Tech Brothers Laboratories, we care about, you know, we care about evolving our technology. We care about uh, science. We care about improving technology. And what's Halo's tagline? That's right. Combat, Combat evolved. evolved, right? So it's it, it's tied in there. And the thing is, we at Tech Brothers, one of our founding uh, ideas, in, including in addition to just the concept of evolving, is we want to be a positive male role model out there. And I think all the concepts, all the conceits, all of the all the stuff that goes into a positive male role model, um, you find in Master Chief. Like throwing a plasma grenade that then sticks to an individual. Exactly. And Some sort of, it, of like it's sort of like the Bible. It it's all symbol. It's all symbolic. Throwing sometimes throwing a plasma gra- uh, grenade. Sometimes that sometimes that's writing some really good code. Um, and the thing is, uh, the thing is, I don't know if you if you haven't read this. Um, you know, Eric Nyland. Nyland. Uh, he's you know he's like the. Isaac Asimov of ga- of gaming, frankly, if you if you ask me, he's a he's one of the heavyweights of um of Asimov, sci-fi and the level of Asimov we see here. So an excellent choice, and I is requ- not just a choice, a requirement for anybody that wants to work here. Okay, well, um, we're running we're running into the first half of the show, towards the end of the first half of the uh, show. So let's 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 stay brisk. What do we have next? Oh, a classic, a, cla- an a true classic, a uh, friend, Beautiful. a former friend of the program, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Richard Feynman. <laughs> Uh, he's he a would've... friend for all of our friends. He's he, a friend of mine. He would have been a friend, a friend of, of the program. He is deceased, but I think he would have appreciated a friend what we're of doing humanity. Here. A friend of, of everyone who wonders. Yes, this is um, a novel called Surely You're. <clears throat> 
Surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman, Adventures of a Curious Character. And this is, of course, an edited collection of uh, reminiscences by the Nobel Prize winning physicist Richard Feynman, um, which was edited by his close friend and drumming partner, Ralph Layton. So this this is a man that not only worked with Richard Feynman, he drummed with Richard Feynman. And you, you never get a better relationship than with the man you drum with. Especially when it comes to Richard Feynman. Exactly. That's uh, when he was the, the loosest. Uh, oh, this is an interesting choice for, for next up. And I, I do... I I am going to once again. Hold we on, are I just want to and- say that the, uh, it's Richard Feynman. That book forwarded by Bill Gates. I mean, what more can you ask for? This next one's an interesting choice, and um, you know, uh, for the benefit of the people tuning in Twitch, <laughs> for the benefit of the people listening, I hope you have a good explanation for this because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm very curious. But um, your next choice is uh, Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov. Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov. Now let me explain. This is something Rowan, you want. This is something you want every no, single. No, this is something ending. I force everybody that works here. Yeah. Um, so I, everyone, I just everyone who everyone who applies to Tech Brothers has to read Lolita. You are yes. coming public with that information. You are putting that out on a public platform. Right, now, let me explain now. Please. Let me explain. I would, I'm Nabokov. sure. I'm sure. Yes, Nabokov. Nabokov. Classic. Genius of poetry and prose. We think we all can agree. We I think, all can we, agree I think that is fair to agree, too. And the, and the other thing is, so we, we want to make sure that the person the person writing code, sometimes that's poetry. We want to make sure that somebody can appreciate good poetry that works here. Right. But the thing is, you can't like this book too much. We will be watching. We will be asking questions. You got to like the right things is the thing. All the French parts. I mean, those are nice. Those are cool. And he just starts talking in French. So That's cool. So this is sort of like a filter almost that you have in place. Where yeah, it's like it's a filter. If, if you're applying to Tech Brothers, uh-huh. you're, you're trying to become a programmer uh-huh. or a content creator at Tech Brothers, you read Walita and then, you know, if you like it. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a filter that like it gets rid of all the bad, the bad water, but then also... It gets rid of some of the good water too. It's like right in the middle water. Okay, so up ne- uh, this this one next, maybe this a little less great. controversial. Can um, I say this on the radio? Uh, I think I think you can. Okay, this one is uh, it's a classic. I better be able to say this on the radio for Jen's sake. This one's called uh, "You Are a Badass at Money Making: Mastering the Mindset of Wealth" by uh, Jen Cicero. Um, and Jen, you can see a picture of her hair there. It says right there, "Dreams in Drive," and that's a good, uh, a good, you know, a good comment on the book. She, she looks confident. She's holding Absolutely. her book, and um, that, I just have one thing to say about this. What's that? And that is, this is one of the best books I've ever read on the topics of being a badass at money making and mastering the mindset of wealth. Well, I mean, you know, those, those right are... there on the tin, as they would say. Um, next up, um... now the next one, n- next one up. This is sort of a, you know. For all the lads out there, um, this one's The Notebook by Nicholas Burks. Tech Brothers Labs is not just all hard sci-fi and nonfiction. We have a sensitive side, too. And we demand our employees do, as well. That's why we make them read The Notebook. It's a real tearjerker. What kind of response are you looking for to, to uh, uh, someone applying to a job when they read The Notebook? Are, um, is this another trick like Lolita, or is this um, <laughs> is this just something that you want individuals to have sort of a, you know have a have a have a, a finger in the romantic you know, side? This still, is, yeah, I mean, this is more of a trick on yourself, on your heart, making it feel for once in your life. Up next, The God Delusion, the God Richard Delusion Dawkins. by Richard Dawkins, a classic. The thing is, and the thing I want to say about this book is. He makes a lot of really good points. He makes a lot of excellent page after page, point, 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 point. You're like, wow, I can't even, I can't even hold all these points. Some great takes in this book. 
So you are you hiring exclusively atheists, or is this is this just sort of like a uh, to know that individuals have a uh, an open mind? So the thing is, um, most of our employees are either atheist or ag- agnostic, or some sort of uh, you know uh, uh, you know uh, uh, omnitheist or something. Um, but the the thing is, if you aren't if you are an atheist. We want you to have read The God Delusion, at least. We want you to be one of those Christians. Fair enough. And I mean, I think that's an excellent segue into this next one. Back yes. to back with The God Delusion is Thus, thus Spoke Zarathustra. Zarathustra. And I want to be specific. This is Thus, so, thus Spoke Zarathustra, uh, the paperback version by a little man with a, quite a large mustache named Friedrich Nietzsche. And why the paperback? Um, is how it was meant to be read. read. And for our last one, because hold we on, are... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Rowan. Let's, let's, Let me just say... If you thought Dawkins made some good points, wait till you read Nietzsche. That's all I have to say about that. And then, and then the last one on this, uh, very quickly, the Sandman Overture, Neil Gaiman, a classic. Get, one of the actually, I this is um, a few of these books. Neil I'm Gaiman, sort of, abs- I'm excellent. sort of mid on um, to use the parlance of our times. We had to throw a Gaiman in there, right there. You have to, uh, and, and Sandman is an excellent choice. It's a great choice. It's it's an amazing tale detailing the trials and tribulations of <laughs> Wonder Spider Man's most formidable foes. <laughs> It's absolutely incredible what this man went through just to get to his wife and kids. Well, thank you very much for that, Kai. (laughs) Um, So we're going to go ahead and move to um, our mid-show segment. Uh, When we come back, Signe Windmill, here to talk about... Signe. Here to talk about their book. Uh, You have that pulled up right now? What, the, Unmasking the, the Demiurge. No, I don't have the book pulled up because you never sent me a PDF version. I, I mean, I sent you a copy of the book. Through what? And what? A letter? UPS, USPS, one of those. Where is? I don't even know where my mailbox is located, Rod. Well, in any case, uh, before we get to that, let's we're we're gonna move to the uh, mid show midterm, our, our classic uh, segment. Classic mid show segment. Real think thinker, think grinder. A real think grinder. That's an excellent way to put it. Um, and and you know um. With these, we like to um, have them, uh, you know, be applicable. So why don't you go ahead and, and read the question for us? Kai? I would love to. I would love to, Rowan. Um, so this, the question, the question this week is uh, a book-related question: Which of the following authors has the largest number of published books? Very simple, very easy. Yes. Um, but I think quantity the quantity answer- over quality. Maybe. The the, the uh, you know, depending on who the winner of this is, uh-huh. you might disagree with that assessment. Uh-huh. So let's run through these. Number one, what do we got, Kai? Number one is it's, it's this is the show for him. Like he's a he's the star of this show. Isaac Asimov wrote a lot of books. Big Daddy, Big Daddy Asimov. Quite a prolific, prolific yeah writer in science and Voluminous. Voluptuous, yes. Voluptuous in his works. Um, next up, we have uh, a little man, R.L. Stein, everybody's favorite child poet. I absolutely loved R.L. Stein as a young, a young individual. A little scary for me, but I enjoyed all the parts where there weren't monsters. Uh, yeah, the ones where there were dolls or something. Uh, dummies. Now, uh, what's our next option? Next one is uh, L. Ron Hubbard, a uh, good old Ron. Uh, classic sci-fi writer and prophet. Um, <laughs> classic prophet. One of the classic prophets. And our last option. A cl- prophet in his own right, uh, Stephen King. So, yeah, the question is, uh, which of these authors has published 
the largest number of books or the largest number of published books, however you choose to parse that. We are going to take a very short break, maybe about five to seven minutes. So at about 8.40, uh, please return where we will be joined by Signe Windmill here to discuss their book, Unmasking the Demiurge, What Every Woman Needs to Know. Please stay tuned. Read it. And we are back. We're back. Uh, welcome back, readers. Welcome back, readers and listeners. Uh, we are about to reach out to Signe Windmills real quick. Get them on the line. Hello, Signe, can you hear us? Hello. Can you hear us? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, welcome to the program, Signe. Um, you are just in time uh, to join us for the end of our mid-show, mid-term, uh, where we ask a question to the uh, the audience. And, and we uh, let them grind their heads. They, we ha- let them hit their heads against the wall to try to figure it out. Um, but maybe you can shed some insight uh, from your own knowledge uh, upon this question. Um so, Signe, I'm going to ask you a very important question, and I want you to answer it. All right. Okay, so the question is, uh, Rowan, would you like to read it? Yes. Which author has the largest number of published books? Or if you'd prefer, which of these, um, which author? Of the following four authors? Well, that's, that's, that's L. Ron Hubbard, correct? I haven't even read the options to you, but yes, the answer is L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> already showing their their uh, their perception. He, he was correct about you know he was correct about a lot of things. He was. And you know, he didn't anticipate everything, but um. You know, he's a guru that you can learn quite quite a bit from. I, I could not agree more, Signe. Simon Amy himself has learned a great deal from L. Ron Hubbard, um, the author of well, of, of well over a thousand fiction and nonfiction works and translated into 71 languages and possibly the most prolific prophet and guru of our day. Uh, yeah, more than published more than Moses, at least. What I from what I understand. Well, I mean, that's only the known texts of Moses. We did, yeah, there we are have... some people who say that Moses has written a large, large um, high fantasy corpus. I think he's written, but a lot those of... have been lost. Um, some yeah. people say that you can find some on the uh, the Novgorod palimpsest. Sure, um, but that that's yet to be um, yet to be affirmed. Moses's slash fiction cannot be touched. Well, welcome to the program, Signe Windmill, um, here to talk about their book, and we're going to pull up that in a moment. Um, but uh, author, legal expert, hermetic magician, um, other other things as well. Is that correct, Kai? Uh, mm-hmm. Why are you asking? Why are you asking other me? things is correct, Signe? Yes, yeah, yeah that's, that's correct. Um, I have been a sovereign citizen for 23 years. And I've studied the Hermetic arts much longer, especially if you consider the time that I have spent um, amongst the Akashic records. What is a Hermetic um, art? What does that mean? Um, well, it's it's the um, it's the study of uh, Hermes Trismegistus Hermes. and um, his way in the world. Uh, please don't embarrass my guest with these elementary questions. It's it's really quite. He, he, he's the thrice bra- he's the thrice blessed. Um, I, I'm kind of trying. I'm trying to pioneer becoming quadruple blessed. I that, see. Well, that's getting- a that's a dangerous route. We've I, lost many grad students attempting took, this route. It took know. Tony Hockey years to do that. 
<laughs> so in any case, um, we are um, our, our our show is running a little long. So I I don't want um, as much as I would love to fiff and faff and and talk about. Um, I'm sure we have lots of anecdotes we could share with one another. Um, you know, from our spiritual sort of uh, uh, moments and in, in, in what have you. But I really want to get into this book because it's fascinating. It's out on Simon Amy Press, only available in physical copies. You cannot get a PDF of well, this. If physical. you see a PDF of this, um, contact Simon Amy and let him know so we can get our lawyers on the line. But um, unmasking the Demir urge, what every woman needs to know. Let's talk about, why don't you talk about what inspired you and sort of your background that led you into this, uh, describing this phenomenon in these realms? Well, I have been studying the Akashic Records, um, the um, the Orion Lines, and um, Ayurvedic Yoga for a very long time. Mm. And I've just realized that there's so much that the modern woman needs to have revealed to her. And, you know, I'm not just saying that this book is just for women. I think that there's a lot that um, that is applicable to men. Mm. Um, just because, you know, just because it is addressed at women, that doesn't mean that uh, men can't grow and learn. Well, from reading the speaking book. as a man, I love to grow and learn from from uh, uh, books, you know, sort of in that realm. Speaking as but spe- also speaking as a man, I do feel like I have grown and learned from, say, Fight Club. So, do you think I would grow and learn more with this book? Yeah, I, I actually think it's a great um, companion text oh. to Fight, Fight Club. Club? Yes. I mean, it's a real thinker. It really makes me question. Uh, and truly understand what it means to be a- you know like um like the original manuscript of Fight Club, uh-huh. which was never published. Um, this is written entirely in quantum par syntax. I see. So yes, um, quantum par syntax. Would you have on this slide? Do you have access to this slide, or is this for, only for our internal use? Oh, uh, we're, we're I'm getting that pulled up right now. Give me one. Just give me one moment to pull that up because let's. I I'm so excited to get into um this book. As I mentioned earlier, let's get generally deep see, in the pages. Generally speaking, the um the Simon Amy uh printing press simon amy press usually focuses on sort of these um ancient texts being that haven't been republished in a long time uh you know uh, demonological texts ancient uh you know mohammedan texts um sort of uh various uh ancient ancient things but this is something i loved loved your print of the um the libra vake fantastic i use it to make all my homunculuses it's one of the um it's it's frankly one of the the better printings out there um and, and but that's why it was so exciting to be able to um uh bring someone else on with a new modern perspective so mm-hmm. let's go ahead are you uh, are you are you are you seeing these uh, these slides on your end signy uh, are, are those coming through easily enough yes yes they are thank you um you've got um, a much better setup than the other shows i've been on promoting my book um much better than um InfoWars, or even the Kelly Clarkson show. Well, I'm not. Well, you know, I, um, uh, you know, um, Mr. Jones. I don't want to get on the wrong side of Mr. Jones, so we'll, I'll I'll just take the compliment and not turn but it into something I, more. I do know that Mr. Jones ha- is not is is not using Tech Brothers uh, technology. Um, unfortunately, he's asked, but we've had to say no. It, it's rough to be a, a public figure in, yeah. in in such a way. So let's go into your background. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, Sydney Windmill. Um, I love this picture of you. We have going. Um, what is that instrument you're playing? If you don't mind me asking. Well, um, it is one of the. Um, it is the pipes of the goddess. 
Um, it's part. It is part uh, wind instrument. Um, it is part. It is part alchemical tuner. Mm. Um, you like, know, so the like uses for it really haven't been fully exposed, haven't been fully understood. But um, I see. Yeah. It's, so so so. Um, let's get it's into. It's like a bagpipe. Is it similar to a bagpipe? Um, that's insulting to ask, but I'll I'll let it please, fly. Kai, please, Kai. Please, oh, Kai. Come on. A bagpipe is a very is a, a very culturally important instrument. So so so. Speaking about your background, you've written three books. This is your third book. Um, can you briefly touch on what you've written about prior to this? Yes. Um, I actually wrote a book about how the U.S. Postal Service, um, has conspired with PepsiCo, with MasterCard, Hmm. with the British Crown, and with the courts to deprive us of our rights. And the ways in which you, as the average citizen, can become sovereign and win in the courts. Pepsi, you know, as a Chicago local um, uh, broadcast, as, as, you know, being in Chicago, the tendrils of PepsiCo do seem to suffuse themselves. That dripping brown liquid. I drive, you know, being on the south side, I drive around. I see Pepsi everywhere. And I wonder, what are they doing with my rights? And I'm fascinated to, I I, I hate to admit, I haven't read this other uh, literature that you've put out, but I'm I'm very excited to, to read that now because I've always wondered, looking at their, you know, their sort of logo, driving past their distribution centers. I've wondered to myself. I've wondered yourself, where's the where the where's the demonic the demonic symbolism hidden in their logo? Well, I mean, it's not hidden anywhere. No, I wonder what they're getting up to. No, it's right, right. Symbolism will be their downfall. Um, I see. I do. I, I did have a question about about this. It's uh, so it lists your current res, uh, residency as the compound. Um, what does that mean? Um, th- that's correct. Um, I currently am living in a property off the coast of Laos. I see. With 32 men, 47 women, and ah, um, several, several alpacas. Um, we are spiritual seekers. We welcome more. I see. Um, is that 40, and, yes. 40, 47, 42, is that a good ratio? Um, yes, and it, it does, with, without anyone leaving or going, the ratio does switch back and forth a little bit. I see. Okay. We really open ourselves and um, try and experiment and... Just embrace new things. Oh, it's a, off the coast of Laos. It's a perfect place to do that. Um, so let's go ahead and open this book let's up. Open this tip book. Let's open this. Flip o- this book open. And, and the most exciting thing, or at least I think the most not mo- the most obvious thing at the very least, is this quantum parse syntax. Um, do you do you feel like explaining that um, at all uh, in terms of what exactly that means? Because um, someone opens this book up, they're they're wondering themselves, what what does this mean? Why are the words laid out like this? What is this? What's grammar? going on here? Where what, am I? Where what's going on here? Where am I? I'm scared. Perhaps. Um, what does quantum parse um, syntax mean exactly? Well, um, it is the only legally operative language in the world. It is what all of the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the, um, you know, the... Um, the elites. The, the Swiss governments um, use to write their contracts because they are the only contracts that really work. And it's the only, um, it's just the only law in general that works. So, but also, written word that is not law doesn't matter and doesn't count unless it's in quantum parse syntax. That's why Fight Club was originally written in it. That's why all of L. Ron Hubbard's books, the manuscripts that they give you when you get to OT10, are all in quantum parse grammar. So this is, and if you do not, pr- prior prior to even the, the theory of quantum mechanics being 
thought of this was something that was being used by the Rothschilds. Quantum mechanics is downstream from quantum parse grammar. Okay. <laughs> no, that, that, that's that, that's fascinating, and you know, um, it is definitely. Um, what what do you hope to achieve? I guess I guess is the question here because I um, with um, having this book in this sort of very legalistic framework, are you hoping for um, these individuals, these these Rothschilds, these Rockefellers? Do you do you hope for them to read this and be affected, or is this sort of like your middle? finger you're you know you're screw you um as well, a sovereign I'm citizen trying, i'm trying to bring this to the population where you know the power of quantum par syntax can't just be held by the few the elite those on the top it should be held by everyone and you know my my original book is quite quite a primer um on that but this book is also written in very basic language so that the initiate to the quantum par syntax world can can fully grasp the the terminology used. Right, so it's almost like a manga kind of where you know you go in with the expectation you have to that read it backwards. where you're reading it a different direction, right? You you have to go in with the mindset of I am um, engaging with this work in a in a, uh, a a non-usual manner. Yes, yes, um that's that's correct. You know, you really have to open your mind and learn to accept these new things otherwise you know you just never will be free from the demiurge that, then that and that's an excellent an excellent segue into i think the first um truth bomb if you'll pardon me from using uh -huh. this expression which is the maritime law conspiracy um what are the secrets of the sea what do what is this picture well you see when um when you walk into a courtroom okay it doesn't actually apply the Constitution's law. It applies the law of the sea, and you can always tell that when there is gold fringe on the flag. That's not the flag as described in the flag code. Uh -huh. It's the flag that is described in the um, in the maritime in the maritime code. And then you see the courtroom symbolically turns into the ship, where the bar at the front symbolizes uh -huh. where the bridge starts, and right. the judge becomes the captain. Like, for instance, have you ever been in court and been thrown in prison because you disrespected the judge because of contempt of court? Yes. That's yes. happened to most of us. In the um, That's because he's the captain, and the captain has ultimate powers over it. And so, for instance, in the real American world, there is only constitutional law. There is no such thing as... Um, child support payments, taxes. They have to take Not us to see... To force us to pay that. No, to force us to do that. And that's fascinating. That's fascinating. And 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 sort of um, you know, as it relates to the demiurge, I I really love the passages in your book where you take sort of the idea of of maritime law, maritime the harbor, the harbor master, into the post master. <laughs> And their sort of aspect in the Constitution and how that relates to the demiurge. Would you would you be willing to touch on that very um, touch on real this quick? picture? Right. Um, yes, because there is this shroud over our system. There is this the physical con like contortions of this world have been put there by PepsiCo, by Mastercard, by the United States Postal Service to distract us from the real world, from the real law. I 
And the real law allows me to withdraw money from a secret bank account that was in my name in the government. I go to my I go to my mailbox. <laughs> I open it up. I look at the mail. I see advertisement from PepsiCo, advertisement from MasterCard, and then I accidentally, while walking back to my apartment, drop the the letter with the check in it. That's what you're saying. And you know what? But you know what? If you accept that mail, if you remove it from your mailbox, you've accepted their contract. And you essentially sold yourself into slavery. Um, I have a five-day program about how to free yourself from slavery, from this, that, um, you know, you can attend. Uh-huh. The cost I'm, is about $1,000 a day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Signy. We are broadcast on non-commercial radio. Um, this program sounds fascinating. Um, I encourage those to um, those listening, if they are interested, to search Unmasking the Demiurge, what every woman needs to know. I'm sure you will find Signy Windmill's information through there. Um, uh, no, no, no. That's 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 quite okay. You know, when you have information like this that is so groundbreaking and and you know sort of and costs so little and costs retain. so little, you you want to get a little bit of something there, and I understand uh-huh. that. Um, but that's an excellent question. These these you know you you're pulling. You pull out something from the mailbox. You've accepted that contract, and now you are beholden to this maritime law, this postmaster um, tyranny. Where does that tie into the PPP loans? Well, you see, um, my business got a PPP loan. Um, I think most of our businesses all got considerable PPP loans, correct? I, I can't. Uh, I, I there's some there's some there's some ongoing um, issues here, with that. Here, at Tech Brothers, we gave the government a PPP loan. Well, you see, that's that's very interesting because we when we all received PPP loans, we didn't see um, who else was receiving PPP loans. Did you know that the government is a corporation? Yes. Yes. Um, it Maybe. is a corporation. Tell um, me more. It was formed in 1871 under the um, the Organic Act of Washington, D.C., where the United States, the country ceased to exist in the United States, the corporation became. Um, and so this corporation, um, the biggest shareholders are um, PepsiCo, MasterCard, um, the British Crown. I keep hearing these names and the over and over share, again. Um, I keep hearing these names. And the controlling shareholder is the U.S. Postal Office. The U.S. Postal Office does own um, the U.S. government. But if, if you look into the PPP loan database, the United States government, which is a corporation, got mm-hmm. a PPP loan. And the question is, who gave the PPP loan to the United States government? I can't promise I think I have, I have three. I have three ideas, one of them being PepsiCo. I'll leave it at that. Mm, no, PepsiCo benefited from it, but um, you know, well, we my benefited. investigative journalism is ongoing. Well, it's like it's like Lenin says, you know, look to the one who is like l- going to get to benefit, and there you go. And peace on earth. So the PPP loans they're tied into the Postmasters General, which is tied into ma- um, to maritime law. You 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 believe this is like a basketball player passing the ball? And, and the question becomes: the question becomes now we've established is this is it safe to say that this is the demiurge, if you will, that that this this system um, of PepsiCo and Mastercard, the British royal family, the post office, the sea, this is the demiurge. Is that's is that safe well, to know, say? That's, it's that's actually a common misconception that I do address in my work. Um, that is just but the first layer of the veils that have been cast over reality. So we need to pierce the veils. Yes, yes. 
Well, they, they, I mean, we I, I, it's, we are already over our, um, our, 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 our time slot, but I just I love this conversation. Let's keep it moving. Um, 9-11 as the phallus. That is a heck of a chapter name. And it's a very long chapter, if I, if I'm, if I understand this yes, correctly. Yes, yes, it takes about a third of the book up. And, and, um, and, so- and, yeah, please, please, please explain this. The first thing to um, to understand why um, the Twin Towers are the phallus, you first must read um, Plutarch's on Isis and Osiris. Um, you know, in that in in those books, when um, the Egyptian god um, Osiris was dismembered, um, his penis was lost forever. So Isis created a new penis so that she might um, impregnate herself with her son. So the Twin Towers are the signs of both Osiris's real organic bodily penis and the artificial penis constructed by the goddess and so that's how you first must understand the towers neither were neither were had steel beams no 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 correct 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 um but so then you kind of move on to just um if you look at some uh, early 20th century concepts the um there's this idea of onanism as um, self-abuse. Have you heard the term before, self-abuse? Uh, yes, and um, I, you know, yes, I, I disagree with. I, it. I also happen to have my issues with it, but as a as a as an as a term, an old term. I mean, what's the? Uh, I, I mean, there's nothing to be done you, about it. Now, are we well, talking about the when grind? you look at the self? When you look at the self, you mm-hmm. can see, you can see, if, if 9/11 was self-abuse. Who is the self? Who is the self that is doing the abusing? Uh, it's a great question. I think that, I th- I, as I recall, there were planes involved. And George W. Bush. Who's piloting the planes. Uh, yes, yes. We, we must assume. So as you, as you see, 9-11 was this massive self-abuse in front mm-hmm. of the entire country, inside of the wor- in front of the world. Um, and if you, if you, like, if you understand the shame, the... Um, the cruelty, the um, the self-effacingness after that, what the true purpose of the Patriot Act and the TSA is comes into light. For instance, can you can you do that when you're under heavy surveillance? So would you characterize um, sort of what happened after 9-11 and the commission report and all that? Would you almost sort of say that is that's an, an, an occult post-nut clarity, perhaps sort of a um, after this self-abuse occurs with 9-11, there's that moment of, oh, no, what's occurring oh, now? Oh, no, noism. <laughs> yes, 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 correct. And there is this refraction of the shame, of, of the pain, back onto the population, the nation's body as it would be. Um, and, you know, it's just something that people don't explore. Because, you know, I, one of the reasons that I wrote this book and that I included in this chapter mm-hmm. is that the one thing that Americans don't think about or talk about enough is 9-11. It's true. We often we don't hear enough of it. it the twenty first no. anniversary of nine eleven passed, and there was nary a peep from the uh, from from most sort of uh, uh, media institutions. We didn't even talk about it. We 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 did have an Instagram post celebrating oh, twenty one years of questions and curiosity. And we love questions. Yes. Um, real quick, because we are we are um, over time. Um, we've moved from this idea of um, of how maritime. And the post office, Moratorium Law, post office, PepsiCo, this is the Demiurge. And through their sort of tendrils, they have reenacted. 
it's 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 an aspect certainly and and yes, through yes. through that aspect of the demiurge um they have uh enacted this ritual of um onanism in front of the world um thereby their symbolism symbolism being their downfall they see what's happening and they're sort of playing their hand if it will um there's one final connection i think this is where the guide for women comes in and this was honestly i felt as though there was a certain part of this chapter i was not getting maybe you can explain sort of um, you know um where this is going but what's the tsa connection and how does that um connect to sort of the what women can get from this well you see the tsa is just one subsidiary of the u.s postal service and the tsa yes the transportation security administration and the TSA, by yes, by feeling your body, by feeling the contours of uh-huh. your form, they are seeking to understand, but also to monitor and control your behavior. They're seeking to understand your body? Yes. You need to make eye contact with your TSA agent next time through the entire search. I do, I do, I do remember a statistic that came out of the Chicago Body Project that I believe about 99% of TSA agents are uh, you must you must ask them the entire time if you are being detained. They they do have to tell you if you are being detained. Mm-hmm. Uh, fa- fascinating, and I see it's a very it's a very evocative picture that came along with this, and especially groping for the answers. Is that I believe that's a subtitle of this chapter? Yes, yes. It's it's an evocative work. Um, I'm 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 so glad that we could have you on to discuss it, albeit um, as briefly as it has been. Um, I encourage. Well, no, I'm sorry. This is uh, nonprofit radio. Uh, if anyone's interested in sort of the intersection of the TSA mm-hmm. of the Post Office of Maritime Law of PepsiCo, I would encourage and of the goddess and of the goddess. Of course, how could I forget? <laughs> Um, I don't uh, know, Rowan. You never forget when I'm around. Uh, uh, Signe Windmill, thank you so much for discussing your new book with us, um, Unmasking the Demiurge, What Every Woman Needs to Know. Um, before we uh, cut off the, um, the the comms, do you have any uh, final wisdom, any final thoughts for us? Um, yes. Um, you should have understand stood that silence, for it was an apophatic silence. Goodbye. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy your uh, your your celebration of the Queen's um, uh, passing. Um, Her get silence. the get the get the baked beans on me. Um, in any case, uh, thank you so much. Uh, this is the end, uh, the belated end, running a little, running fairly late on uh-huh. this one, actually. Um, Kai, real quick, science of success. You have one sure, for let's us. Let's get back to the science. I feel like we were sort of bereft of. I didn't. See- I I think there's a lot of science actually going on here. I didn't think there was that much science, Rowan, to be honest. Conspiratorial thinking is an exercise in science, Kai. I don't And often one of true. the most fruitful of the sciences. I Have you seen biology? I go through a lot of effort to bring people on the program, and you keep... Let's you do keep science of success. As we know, science is a muscle. You need to exercise it, train it to be good. Um, and so what I have is I've, I have something from a success engineer out there. Uh, who we've collected this, and uh, we were going to share it with you because it'll help you become more scientific in your uh, attainment of success. So this is, uh, of course, on LinkedIn as well. And as we know, LinkedIn makes everybody's post anonymous, and that's its purpose. Uh, so we, we will never know who said this. But it is. Uh, it's actually tied into the concept today. 
Reading books will not make you smart. Yeah, you read that right. However, what you learn and take away from them will definitely make you smart. When I read a book, I take much more time than an average person to go through a particular page. This is because I ponder over the author's message and often correlate it with events in my own life. I spend time thinking of how I can incorporate such lessons in my daily life. Uh, how do you read book? Uh, read a book? Let me know in the comment. Hashtag LinkedIn for, for creators. I mean, that's fair. You know, it's called deep reading. You know, you take a book, uh-huh. let's say, for example, Sidney Windmill's book, and you look or, at it. Or uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, let's, go with, uh, let's go with Unmasking the Demiurge on this one. Or The Hobbit. You, cro- you crack open the book, and you look at it, and you think to yourself, what does this mean? What am I reading? Especially in quantum syntax, it takes a minute. Uh-huh. But you you crack it open, you know, you get that whiff of that book smell, and you're looking at it, and you look at it, and you read one page, you read it again, you read it a third time, and then you move on to the second page, read that once again, read that a second time, read that a third time. Sure. Go back to the first page, read that a first, <laughs> a second a third. Rowan, let's let's okay, that's great. I believe we have you have you have a poem for us again? I do have a poem. And this God. is from Emmanuel Khan, no relation, <laughs> 1967. Um flip-flop the page, asking myself why. Ouch! A paper cut drips blood on the words. A rose by any other name? No. Just fines to the library. What a price to pay. For knowledge. Eureka Cast Now is thoroughly vetted, fact checked, and meditated upon through the support of the Simon A. Institute of Spirit Science beneath the Yards campus here on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. We are broadcast every Saturday evening, 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time on WLPN LP 105.5 FM, Woman Radio, and simulcast live on twitch.tv slash AWCY FM at that same time. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please feel free to reach out through our website at eurekacast.org. And listen up, citizen scientists. Check us out. Leave us a react on the book. That's facebook.com slash recast. Share us on the gram. That's recast on Insta. Let's get ratioed over there on Twitter. You recast on there as well. They got books over there. Uh, Dropbox box our email at wcyfm at gmail.com. Leave us your top kecks and share with us any epic gamer moments. And of course, if you leave us a hashtag recast, I'll be reading the top comment on the next episode. Uh, so now time for our shout out tonight which goes to a a person on twitter named fuji video cassette an awesome twitter poster and they said this you know what i have to say about the queen's death i a lot of great deals on led lights hashtag recast um and i think that's great um so that's let's take us out let's really think about that what's the led lights for I mean, what aren't they? Was for? there any was there any context on any of this? You want me to reach out? I mean, I'd love I'd, Hold I'd on, love let me to send them I, a-